You're now listening to The Black Variant on RNC Radio. It's a special episode, X. Oh man, is this? Is, should we should we tell say this is the one about the Spider Verse? Yeah, um, this is the, this is, yo, man, one of my favorite favorite writers. Like, this is like a dream interview for us, man. Um, when I originally tweeted you, I I, I was pretty sure you were never going to answer, but yet here we are. Um, I am X X the X out, joined by the Van Van Red, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we are joined by none other than the illustrious Eisner Award winning. Finalist for I don't know how many awards. Um, Sally Bean, I met, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. If you no. do not know who this man is, he is the writer for, I believe, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, Black Bolt, Magnificent Mrs. Marvel, and Exiles, and a ton of other stories. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Good to be here. Yo, man, appreciate you coming on, man. Definitely, like, one of my favorite. I tell people all the time, you're the reason my nephew's in the comics. Like, your Miles Morales run has has him. He reads it all the time. He really he really got him into it, man. Oh, that's so I, that's touching. Yeah, man. So I appreciate it's, you for that. It's, uh, you know, being um, middle-aged and writing a, <clears throat> excuse me, writing a teenage hero is, uh, I you know, I have 11-year-old children and so they clown me about uh <laughs> my ability to to speak to the youth but but it's you know it's their job to clown me a little bit because they're my kids so yeah i uh, it's, it's always exciting when uh <laughs> you hear from the the youth out in the world uh actually reading and enjoying the stuff i'm sure you can't be shocked of seeing people that people like your stuff man like all i see most is praise for you how good your work is there's there's plenty of negativity out there. <laughs> always, always. But, so, you know, don't pay attention to that. Yeah. yeah, man. But thank you once again for coming on, man. Definitely. Thank you, thank you so much. Um, gonna start right, jump into it. You were talking about you know how people, your kids feel you you're you know dated. Um, a while ago you asked black people and or Puerto Rican people under twenty five only what kind of taste <laughs> do you think Miles would have in music. We wanted to know <laughs> what do you listen to. When you're writing miles, yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Um, you know, I'm uh, I'm I'm 46 years old at this point, and so um, I ha- I have pretty eclectic taste in music across genres. Um, unfortunately, not so much across eras. Uh, across eras, uh, deep in the past, but um, right. I'm 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 pretty clueless about 21st century music, and so, um millennial music let alone uh uh you know the gen z uh zoomer music is um you know it's new stuff to me so i had to be educated and uh and i'm still and constantly being educated um <laughs> but uh you know the some of the really surprising thing to me is i'm a i'm a child of the 80s and 90s and um you know i i have a big alternative rock side but i also have a, a huge 90s hip-hop side and mm-hmm. you know i i I was in like junior high and high school in the late eighties, early nineties, which was a real kind of golden age. And it's, it's real interesting to me hearing how much of the stuff that people pointed me to had sounds that echoed stuff from the past. Right. So the same way that when I was listening to 
stuff in the 90s that was hearkening back to like funk or whatever in the 70s now you know people are 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 in music hearkening back to the 90s and it's it's yeah. it's a bit mind-blowing and, and a bit depressing sampled is like crazy right like but also like, I know beautiful where it's from. yeah yeah, yeah. It's like how you bridge the um, gap, you know? Yeah, so I, I listen I listen to a, a pretty wide variety of stuff. When I'm actually actively writing, I can't listen to stuff with words. So I put on, I either just have kind of silence um, or I, I, I listen to like jazz or classical music or like instrumental hip hop or something. Um, but something about words while I'm writing words messes up my brain. Yeah, I kind of wanted to ask you about that. Like, um, what is your writing, pro- your creative process like? Are you somebody needs to be isolated? Do you like, like, what's your setup? Like, how do you get into writing mode? Yeah, it used to be, um, you know, much more kind of organic and romantic and stuff. But once it really becomes your day to day life, and especially as you're writing like a monthly comic book, which has uh, or, or a couple of monthly comic books, which have uh, really relentless deadlines, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that like not a lot of other things have like maybe like uh, a you know weekly television does but um uh there are a few things where you just you're just um, you're, you're on an assembly line like constantly writing right and um you you know you just sort of treat it like a nine to five you have a certain time you i, I say you me i get up <laughs> a certain time in the morning i you know i i know i'm gonna write and be productive for a certain amount of hours and then i know i'm gonna crash and not be very useful so i need to do something else in my time and you know for me it's it's and for every writer it's always about integrating it into your life and so that's why whenever people give out writing advice about how to set up a writing day or a writing habit i always talk you know i've, I've taught a fair amount and I, I always try and talk to people about being realistic and understanding what life they live, you know, and right. for many years, my life was not um, necessarily set up to have this space. And not now it is. And I'm, I'm also a single father, um, you know, a divorced dad. So I got kids with me half the time and I'm the only adult in the house with them. And so it's it's uh, it's you know, I know that those days I'll be less productive. So I have to structure around that if I'm if I'm getting dinner on the table and such, I, I just know I'm not going to write the same way. So, right. you know, everybody's writing habits have to fit their life. And I really caution people to not like look at what people are doing on social media or s- tips people are putting out that don't fit their own, um, their own world, their own reality. Definitely. So I, we want to take it back a little bit. Um, growing up in Michigan, Detroit specifically, what are, what are some things you remember about your childhood that kind of like influenced the, you think probably influenced the way you write or just your, your thought process of how you grew up, you know, how you view the yeah, world. Yeah, so I, to be um, crystal clear, because uh, folks who are, are raised in Detroit proper, um, I, I don't want them to think I'm, I'm fronting here. I'm, uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm from, I'm, I'm, I grew up um, literally across the street from Detroit proper in, uh, in Dearborn, Michigan, which is a kind of big, uh, working class Arab American enclave. And so I grew up in a very, um, very immigrant community. Um, my, my folks were born here, but um, uh, around me was, you know, people were speaking Arabic, uh, a lot of signs are in Arabic, the, everything from the smells of the food to, um, you know, uh, I grew up next to one of the biggest mosques, mosques in America. Um, it's, um, you know, I had 
and this was at a time when um, we were becoming very visible. You know, there's a, there's a, a narrative out there like it was after 9-11 that, that prejudice against Muslims and Arabs came out. But uh, really, I, I saw it from a very young age um, in my community. And so, you know, I really, um, I had a sense from being pretty young uh, that there was hatred out there, that there were, but but also that there were people fighting that hatred, you know? Right, and so, right. uh, um, and, and then I had a sense that there was inequality, you know? I mean, um, Detroit is a place of deep segregation, of deep inequality. Um, I was very lucky that my, my father, my grandmother, um, my mother, they all kind of um, came, uh, they all had educated themselves about a lot of stuff in the world that there are lies told about. And um, uh, and then therefore educated me, and, and a lot of that was political reality. And uh, so I really I grew up in a kind of very leftist, um, very uh, kind of ethnically conscious, racially conscious um, household that was sort of like uh, mm -hmm. very much a product of the '70s. Um, and, and so uh, so I, I definitely you know I'm, I'm I'm stuck with some of that in my DNA and, and bring it to my work absolutely. Um, just right there, you were talking about the, the community that raised you and how in very, you know, what people would call radical ideas. Um, I went on your Wikipedia and I saw that like there was this big, there's like three sentences about your father and then you, the paragraph or like the sentence about your mother was your mother was a political activist. And that was pretty much the end of it. Um, then I Googled you and I put up a tweet about your mother saying, first of all, she passed away. My condolences. Um, but how you grew up with a communist in, you know, that sounds, you know, crazy American type thing, which is actually not a bad thing. I encourage you all to Google what that is. Um, how does, how does growing up with someone that, you know, caring of others affect your writing? How does it affect your worldview in anything, you know, from your poetry to your comic books? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I hope that uh, it's at the, at the core, you know, um, my, my mother was, um, so uh, my father's uh, Egyptian and Lebanese, my mother was white, and she um, she passed quite young in her 20s when I was just a little kid. And, you know, that had a kind of whole profound psychological effect on me that has nothing to do with politics, you know, and that comes out in my writing a lot too. But definitely the thing she left with me more than anything else probably was this sense of, of just responsibility to the world, of consciousness of the world. And that was... You know, she and my my father found each other because, in part, they shared that. You know, my my dad. Um, the reason there's more about him on Wikipedia is because he um, he founded an Arab community center in the in the neighborhood that we grew up with. I grew up in along with my great grandmother, actually, who was a super politically active Arab American woman in the 50s and 60s. It's really bananas her history. She knew Malcolm X, for instance, and was like very involved in kind of black Muslim um, politics there and kind of like had a lot to do with, for instance, him uh, traveling to the Middle East and stuff. Um, and so so I, I have a long lineage of that stuff. And so really, um, I, I, I think if I just wrote stuff that was just escapist and just fun and didn't worry about who gets to have their story told and didn't care about kind of, you know, who gets to be a hero and, and, and what the values are, um, I think, I'd be kind of betraying, you know, uh, a pretty long line of, of people behind me. <laughs> so yeah, right. I, 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 I can't do that. 
Yeah, yeah. So I definitely want to talk about what was your like. What were you into in high school? Like, were you were you always big into writing, or was it just something that that you just found growing up naturally, or was it kind of like something that was always around that you naturally gravitated to? No, I was very lucky because um, you know my father um, my father um, was not like you know we didn't come from money or anything like that. He was in Vietnam and he came home um, and because of the GI Bill was able to kind of go to school while he was working in a factory. And, but he was very curious guy and very, um, and what books, you know, there was that generation, even a lot of working class guys read, you know, and um, uh, in a way that like now, even, you know, most people, whatever your class background, most people don't read novels anymore. Um, But, you know, we had a shelf of them, Dune, (laughs) for instance, which everybody's talking about right now, (laughs) Um, you know, and um, Lord of the Rings and, 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 you know, a lot of stuff like that. And so, I was very lucky that in first grade, I didn't go to great schools, but um, in first grade, I'll always remember my father, the summer of first grade, my father was would make me write stories during the summer to like, just like write something, you know, just to keep right, those right. skills sharp. But, um, but it wasn't, it wasn't like do this dictionary word. It was, you know, it was creative and, and I responded to that. And so, um, and I always, I always kind of held on to some, uh, fantasy that i'd be able to write somehow that i'd you know do that in some professional way i guess although i don't think i really had any notion what that meant and and i didn't end up actually doing it for a living until like you know my 40s really so it was a long path to get there teaching editing lots of um, lots of other jobs which is the case with with most people you know so yeah. Um, and and in high school, to answer the first question, last uh, in high school, I was, I was a nerd. <laughs> a little, like, kind was of, it a lot of comic books? A little books, bit of goth edge, you know. Oh, yeah, bit, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Black trench coat at one point, so you know. Oh, nice. <laughs> were you, what comics were you into back then? Like, you know, I it, it's funny because I was I read comic books mostly like in the 80s. So I read kind of classic Claremont X-Men, Secret yeah, yeah, yeah. Wars, you know, um, Spider-Man in the kind of like Peter David era and stuff. But um, I, and then, you know, less so some DC stuff, um, you know, Watchmen and all that stuff when it came out, um, Dark Knight. But um, I really, by high school, I was reading, I was reading more like, political stuff you know like Mm -hmm. and uh, novels and and just just not reading a lot just you know wasting my time a lot (laughs) as most of us were you know it's a part of growing up yeah yeah so after you went to you went to michigan shout out to michigan shout out to the wolverines a lot of my family went there shout out to michigan yeah you moved to new york to brooklyn college so as everybody comes on here, every everybody else we had on here, what was your first real New York experience when you got here? Like, what's your craziest New York story when you first got here? Well, those I guess those are those are different things. You know, I had I had very welcoming New York experiences when I first would visit because I just I had I had friends here and I had friends who were from here too, not yeah, just that's like good. <laughs> like I visit here, but like you know, friends who are like whatever from like. Uh, the Upper West Side or from Lower East Side or from Flatbush or wherever that like, you know, and um, so I would get to see people would be like, come to see my family or whatever. 
them, you know, right, right. see places that were um, not necessarily. But, you know, there's always that just that level of disorientation. If you're if you're from anywhere, you know, Detroit is not a big city. And so um, uh, just the density of people, you know, there, there's a, the, this part in a, a, the Stevie Wonder song um living for the city where like the the country guy gets off the bus and he goes new york just like i pictured it skyscrapers and everything (laughs) and it's it's and it's eternal you know because like like you try you try to be cool about it but you like first you look around and you're like the sky is thick with buildings the streets are thick with people and it's you know it's disorienting and so i definitely I never thought I was going to be a New York person at first. I'm very laid back um, uh, kind of personality. I thought I'd end up on the West Coast, if anything. And uh, I just, I don't know, I took to it. You know, the thing about New York is you can always find your niche. You can find your community. You can find your little weird whatever that matches you and uh and i did you know and so i was there like a dozen years how's it feel to know that you're like the first writer outside of miles's creator brian michael business to have like an extended run with him yeah it's um i mean you're talking to me now uh like three years into doing that so i'm obviously a little bit more comfortable and uh it feels more like that's that's what i do but um but when the proposal first kind of you know came to me i was like intimidating of course it's uh it's uh but it was also you know obviously a deep honor and uh and i was i was ready you know um it was um i had a lot of thoughts about stuff to do with miles i um yeah it it just it was like for instance um i also took over uh ms marvel from Mm -hmm. who is uh you know, she and I know each other from kind of we even before I came into comics and I was just doing fiction. She and I know each other from kind of Muslim uh, writer circles and stuff like that. And uh, you know, that was like that was mostly intimidating, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and was um, was sort of also a profound honor, but felt much more like all right can I do this? I can do this. You know, like kind of like I had to hype myself up. Whereas with miles, it was like, there was a big gulp, but I was, I was, I was ready and, and I had thoughts. And so, um, you know, and I, I, um, you know, you can only build on a foundation. So, you know, um, whatever else, you know, you know, whatever other takes people might have and stuff, you know, the character wouldn't exist without Bendis and, and, and Pacelli. And so it, it, it felt cool taking the baton from them. Yeah. Um, so real question now, because you're literally, like I said before, the only the second person to have an extended run with them, you're pretty much laying the foundation for miles. And this is going to be what people revisit for like generations to come. How does, how does that feel? Does that, does it, does it feel heavy? Does it feel like a burden to you? Like you are literally going to be the foundation <laughs> for this character. I don't know about that. I mean, again, I would, I would say that, 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 uh, uh, you know, Bendis and Pacelli are the foundation and I'm, I'm kind of building, I mean, that's the, the glory of superheroes to me. And that's why I felt ultimately even being intimidated felt cool taking over Kamala is that you're never going to be, uh, you're rarely going to be the last word, you know, and, uh, and except in very special circumstances, you're rarely the first word. And so kind of contributing now, definitely, I think, um, 
there's with Miles, uh, as opposed to if I was doing a Batman story or I'm doing a Peter story right now, for instance, right? Um, it's a different thing. Obviously, I knew that I was doing a lot more establishing, you know, his family, his community, his rogues gallery, all that kind of stuff. And it felt, it feels fantastic. It's cool. It's, um, I'm also clear that I won't do this forever. I think I have particular thoughts about the sort of writer who should follow me on a few different fronts. Um, but you know, it's not, that's up to Marvel. It's not up to me. So, um, it's about all I'll say on that, but, um, you know, somebody else will come next and build another floor of this, of this building, you know, kind of thing. And I, I think that's, that's the beauty of it to me. So I'm, it's powerful to me to do that. And I, and I have very particular things I want to do while I'm with the character, but it's, um, but it's also just, I'm just one writer in what will hopefully be a long line of folks kind of building this mythology. Quick question before, cause I, I don't remember the chronology of this at all. What came out first, your first, first issue of Miles's run or did Spider-Verse movie come out first? I don't remember. So that's an interesting one because um, my first issue came out first, but uh, obviously movies take years to make, right? So it's right. not like they read the first, they, you know, um, they were influenced by my run or something like that. I think if there's any echoes, it's probably more in the, in the PS, uh, uh, PS4 or PS5 rather game. Um, and, and maybe we'll see stuff in, in the sequel, who knows? Um, but, um, but you know, the, um, that's not a, that's not a hint. I have no idea. Headlines start popping out. Saladino drops spider verse spoilers. Um, right. I, I know nothing about this film and that's, and that's actually, um, to get back to it with the first film, I was sort of, uh, adamantly like, I don't, I don't really want to, or need to know anything about the movie. Um, I'm just gonna do this character based on the comics and, you know, and then I'll go see the movie and, you know, who knows what influence I might have down the line, you know, whatever. But, um, so I really, I had a pretty solid, like first couple arcs outlined. I've written first issues, etc. Um, and then the first issues had dropped, but I think the first issue at least had dropped by the time the movie came out and I didn't do like any special tickets or anything. I just went with my kids to see the, the movie, like, like a civilian and, uh, and it was great. It was f fucking excellent to just be like, you know, surprised and, you know, it, it just, it, I don't know. It was like fun at the movies, which is like, it, you know, sometimes with superhero stuff, because it's also your job, it can feel like work at the movies or watching TV because you're doing research or thinking, you know, and this wasn't like, that. <laughs> this was like, you know, let's, let's see what they did. You know, it'll mm -hmm. be different than what I did. And, and it was cool. Right. How, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. So, like, with with Spider with the your Miles's new series Spider Verse, and then the Spider Man PS Five game, how did like did all the creators like did all you and the devs of the game and the movie like did you guys talk after that and be like, oh, that you had the same idea as me? That was great. Like, you know, those tend to be more informal, um, uh, kind of you know, touching base with people and stuff like that. And that's more because it's a small set of industries, you know? Um, so like uh, Evan Narcisse, for instance, and, and I are, are buddies and he did some consulting on the, on the miles game. And, you know, so we will, we'll, you know, but we would, we would be texting each other regardless, you know? And um, um, I, it's not so much, that stuff's pretty siloed. Um, 
uh, at most places, um, you know, both DC and Marvel. Um, it's sort of like they got film over here, gaming over here, comics over here. And it's not that people aren't in touch at all or don't know what the others are doing, but I think really it it's already hard enough <laughs> and it's already enough of a challenge coordinating a story universe that makes sense in its own medium, right? And to feel like I can't write this comic book without talking to the guys over at the at the at the video game office would just be paralyzing for all of us. But afterwards, I think we mostly pat each other on the back. Yeah. <laughs> I think more so I think you're rarely gonna see somebody who worked on the Miles comic or or you know, whatever, the Avengers comic or the or the Avengers game or whatever say to the or about the other thing, oh you got this wrong, you know, <laughs> because right, right. I think we just we just all know how um the conditions under which we're producing this work and, and, and how, um, how much pressure there is. And so we're just sort of like, you know, yeah, good job. <laughs> Even if we might have some nitpicks here and there, I think, uh, I think to me, that's professional courtesy to a degree. Oh man. So, so speaking of TV and film, Miss Marvel's getting the Disney plus series next year. You've obviously wrote, wrote her. I want to ask you what, what characteristics of her personality do you, the transfer on this on this TV screen. Which one would you That's like? Interesting. To see, you know? That's interesting. I mean, I, I I would hope her sort of transcendent um, quality. I think is um, is a kind of hope, but not naive hope. A sort of um, you know, Kamala really sees the best in people. I think in a way, it's that's definitely something I tried at least to emphasize in my run. Um, at times, maybe to a fault. Um, um, and you know, there where Miles and Kamala have a lot of similarities, I think one thing that's a bit of a difference between them is, you know, I don't think Miles generally get played twice, and right. <laughs> and I think I think uh, Kamala will, um, and it's not because she's stupid; it's because she's taking a chance consciously, you know. Mm. And um, uh, I hope, uh, particularly because it's a show that you know they're aiming at younger um, audiences, I hope that that kind of faith in each other and responsibility to each other, I guess is the, uh, the um, kind of transcendent superhero value that both, you know, she and, 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 you know, before Miles came along, um, or not, sorry, not before Miles came along, but kind of in tandem with Miles, people really talked about Kamala um, almost as much as Miles as being Peter's heir, right? Because mm -hmm. of the kind of teenage thing. Um, and, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of truth to that. I think responsibility is a big part of her. So I, I guess it'd be those two things. It'd be kind of responsibility and, and faith, not, um, I, I mean, I do hope she's represented as being, you know, Muslim and that they don't kind of, um, I, I'd, I'd be astonished if that wasn't pretty present right, right. <laughs> um, in the character. Right. Um, uh, but I haven't, I actually, you know, again, as with the Miles stuff, I haven't taken any opportunity to get a advanced peek of anything i'm just sort of like i'm gonna see it with everybody else and uh and i you know the i know there's there's always skepticism there's always people base a lot of <clears throat> judgment on very little information sometimes you know the 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 people who are involved in, in, in particular um the showrunner you know they're i think they're smart caring people so i i right. think it'll probably be good but who knows who knows right is it cool just to be a fan sometimes you know <laughs> like i can see you like you're very like i just want to be a fan you know yeah i had to find <laughs> things where i'm like really far 
from you know like marvel and dc it's pretty hard nowadays to yeah, just be a fan i'm still a fan of course but uh but you're always thinking uh, also along the kind of professional lines um you know and so it's uh it's definitely <clears throat> it makes it a little bit more complicated than just being like i'm just gonna watch this and not think about anything you know work related right right, right. so you know, one of the the best things i think i that not just me, I think everybody loves about your Miles Morales book is the sense of family. You know, I feel like that's the overarching thing of, of the whole run so far. So how pivotal was that for you to make that a focal point into the, uh, the actual comic? Yeah, absolutely. I think it was uh, important to me. And, you know, to me, that's one of the primary differences between Miles and Peter is, um, you know, Peter obviously has his aunt and um, uh, she's hugely important anybody who sees me right peter will know how much i care about aunt may but um, but it's a different kind of family she doesn't know he's spider-man in most iterations and so um that's a different thing than uh a you know a mom and a dad who are both there in the house and who both know your spider-man and um you know now i gave him a sibling too <laughs> because uh you know i um yeah i i grew up um, you know, I'm, I'm Arab American. Family is a big part of our culture, and uh, um, and you know, Miles uh, being both black and being Puerto Rican, I know how um, those bonds mean something to people. Um, and not that they don't mean something to everybody, but um, I think they have particular meaning in communities where sometimes those communities have been torn apart. You know, um, and uh, uh, whether it's by immigration, whether it's by um, you know, history and, and, and the forces in, in America. And so um, I think building that family, maintaining that family, protecting that family with a character like Miles, um, to me, it's a part of just really establishing who he is as a character. So bringing in kind of um, Rio and Jeff, bringing in Aaron. Um, now um, uh, he has a kind of adopted brother, Shift, yeah, who's a yeah. clone. And um, and we'll be seeing more of that relationship build. Um, you know, I I I love that stuff. I and I'm sappy about it too. I love. No, it's good stuff. <laughs> there's there's, there's nothing more, more touching. Yeah. You know, than when you when you go to when you go to protect your family. You know, so so quick um, question: um, If he's a clone, is he technically a brother, or is it just like literally the Spider-Man meme just pointing at each other like, "What do I call you?" <laughs> I mean, to me, that's part of the thing. Is like uh, uh, these relationships aren't just. You know, um, I think Peter's his big brother, too. You know, um, uh, these relationships are not uh, just blood based, um, although they're literally blood based. in the, in the yeah, <laughs> But, but uh, yeah, I don't I don't know what I, I don't think there's an actual English term for what your clone would be as your relation. So. <laughs> exactly. So my nephew, my nephew would kill me if I didn't mention this. He loves the, the scene of Miles and Kamala playing one on one basketball. Like he, he, he oh, was, I had to, I had to bring that up because he, he would kill me if I didn't ask. Like, how did you come up with that? Like, it's, it's such great usage of the character. Honestly, I think a better uh, or a different writer, and maybe hopefully when I think about like who should be writing, you know, Miles and things like that, I, I think somebody who is more athletic at some point should write Miles because <laughs> I imagine he probably plays ball, and and ball is probably a fairly big part of his life and i'm uh, a nerd i'm not i have no jock <laughs> dna whatsoever so i think too often i forget that so i think that was simply a case of me being like 
we got to touch base with this yeah, <laughs> and, uh, great, and, 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 and bringing it back up. But I, I think, I think somebody who really has played basketball, I would love to see them write like a full miles game issue or something like that. Right, would, right. They, That'd be they great, do yeah. it justice in a way that I can only kind of barely touch on. Oh man. That's great, man. Yeah. You mentioned that you're now writing Peter. How does it feel to be one of the team of writers of amazing Spider-Man now? That's fantastic. I'm uh, you know, that's a, an interesting beast because right now in the pages of Amazing Spider-Man, Ben Riley is the is the official Spider-Man. We've been kind of having some fun with the idea that there's an official Spider-Man um, in the in the Marvel Universe uh, comics world right now. The Beyond Corporation is sort of asserting their trademark over the name Spider-Man, um, serving up Miles a cease and desist, and uh, <laughs> and uh, and sort of putting Ben Riley in the spotlight uh, while Peter is. Uh, is uh, in a hospital bed actually. And so um, that's been uh, fun to be part of a team. You know, it's, um, I only have a couple issues in the run, um, but that's, you know, it's just kind of a time issue, but it's been a really cool kind of like TV room um, type experience to sit there. Those guys are all Zig is, uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, is brilliant. Um, Zeb Wells is brilliant. Uh, Cody Ziegler is, uh, is, is, the name actually on the comics um uh kelly is brilliant kelly thompson's part of this so it's it's just it's just you know cool to talk story with a bunch of smart people but um (laughs) but the big uh peter project actually that i'm doing that's kind of just me and and really peter focused is uh called spine tingling spider-man and it's um uh it's uh exclusively i guess on the uh unlimited app yeah, so it's yeah. uh it's like a, a vertical scrolling comic. So it's different in format. Um it and uh Juan Ferrer is is drawing it. He's a genius. It's like yeah. so well drawn. It's a it's a Peter horror comic. Um Ooh. I always kind of wanted to do a little bit of a horror Marvel universe thing. Um and it's about like sleep loss and some of the stuff that some of us have been doing with uh, these this past while. So uh yeah, so it's it, w- it was really fun to just do. It's it's d- definitely darker than the Miles comic tends to get, and so it was cool to just be in a different place, kind of tone wise, uh, audience wise to a degree, format wise. Um, yeah, I. I but um, anytime you know, Peter is is the Spider Man I grew up with, of course. You know, before there was the Miles, and so anytime I get a chance to uh, to write him, it's it's a blast. Nice. I always wanted to ask somebody how how are those Marvel writing camps? How intense are they? Like when you all guys are all coming together, bouncing ideas off of each other. Like they don't got you making you know, five beats a day for three summers, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's um, it, it it I think it depends. They they vary, and it's definitely transformed since the pandemic. You know, so right. uh, um, the the whole vibe of a Zoom is different than uh. You know, when you're all kind of like a little sleep deprived and haven't eaten right, and you're just like eating empanadas uh, yeah, while you're come up with while you're working. You know? and, <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's uh, there's definitely a creative energy that comes from that physical room, uh, but at the same time, um, you know, I'm a homebody. Um, <laughs> I got yeah. small, ch- not small, but 11 year old children. I, I'm like, I'm, I'm happy to be doing stuff uh, remotely. And so I think it makes, um, it makes it a different kind of vibe, but it's still, it's still basically a bunch of smart people bouncing story ideas off of each other. And uh, I, I love that stuff. I mean, I used to write novels 
and fiction and stuff. And uh, I think the reason I kind of crashed in that world to a degree is the isolation of writing alone, writing prose alone. Right. And uh, comics is all about collaboration. You know, if you're working in a shared world, you, you're talking with other writers and, and creators in that shared world and editors. Um, and even if you're working on your own creator own stuff, you're working with artists and uh, it's um, that is the stuff that really energizes me personally, you know? Yeah. You, you've worked with some great artists, man. Speaking of that, like, like some phenomenal talent, man, how important are they to the whole storytelling aspect of uh, what you do? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no comics without artists, you know, yeah. and um, <clears throat> it really, the relationship varies quite a bit and it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, I, I don't really, the first artist I ever worked with, um, uh, other than like a couple little things that never took off here and there, um, was, uh, Christian Ward and, uh, yeah. Black Bolt. And, uh, I didn't know how spoiled I was, you know, because oh, yeah. he's, <laughs> he's brilliant. And, yeah. uh, and he also, it's not just that he's brilliant, but he also does a lot of the heavy lifting of storytelling, you know, and not, mm -hmm. Not every artist wants to do that. Not every artist is, is that's not every artist's skill set is, uh, you know, some, so with some artists, you definitely want to spell out a little bit more. Let's do this in this panel. Let's do this in this panel. Um, not because they're lesser, but just because their skills are more like you give me the blueprint and I will build you the best fucking building, you know? Yeah. Um, and then there are other artists who are like, what if this room was over here instead? Right. When they look mm -hmm. at the blueprint and you're like, oh, shit, that's perfect. Right. And so um, it really you learn what that relationship is when you start to work together. And so um, I, I, I don't know. I like I like all those different kinds of relationships. I, I don't mind being a little bit more directive and I don't mind just backing off and, and letting the artist do their thing. And so but in every case, you're just like super aware that that you know, you wouldn't have a comic if you didn't have them along yeah, for the man. ride. So uh, you just try and be uh, thankful and appreciative of their presence. Oh, man. So I know I know you get asked this a million million times. Any dream characters, anybody you like, I kind of want to take that on one day. <laughs> it's, you know, it's so funny because um, that's, you know, you talk about being a fan and how that changes. I think that's probably the number one thing. I used to talk on Twitter all the time about like, I want to do this, I want to do, and I don't do that ever anymore because it's just sort of like, well, you know, we'll talk to the people and see if it happens, and if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But the, right. the thing that you really become most aware of once you actually start working in the industry is that it's it's got very little to do with, like, you have a great idea, it fits this character, let's do it, and a lot more to do with, like, well, we've already done X number of books featuring this character this year. There's a movie coming out with these characters. Right. There's, you know, it's there's, and, and that's not just Marvel. It's DC. It's any any big shop is like Star Wars. Anything is like that, right? And so, you, what you learn to be good at is kind of working within those parameters and and, and figuring out like, okay, what are people? And you know, you still put out things like, what about this? What about this? But uh, you know, it's not going to just be like purely. I have this cool idea. And I'm perfect for this character, so let's do this because that's rarely how the how the actual comics happen. That said, you know, I it's funny. I found myself attracted to kind of like characters that when I was younger I thought were like boring, goody goody white guys, right? Like uh, Cyclops. Super? No, no, fuck no. I'm so glad you said Van because I was thinking it. So. <laughs> he's the only one. No, no, he's still boring, but. 
I know <laughs> and in good hands he's not. Please don't mob yeah. me, Cyclops fans. I'm just I don't have a lot of Scott Summers insight, but I know plenty of writers who do. So yeah, yeah. Um, but uh um well so on the DC end, um I haven't written Superman yet, and I definitely you know, I've I've had thoughts about, you know, um I've I've had a couple little mini Batman things and and mm-hmm. uh, I'm working on a Batman podcast, a scripted podcast right now. It's starring Winston Duke as Batman. Oh nice. Oh so wow. It's, it's, yeah, it's really uh, exciting called Batman Unburied. Um <clears throat> and uh um but Superman is somebody, you know, I I again, when I was a kid I was like who is this guy? Annoying boy scout dipshit whatever. And but now I'm like, yeah, I want I want I want to do it. And I guess the equivalent on the Marvel side is is Cap, you know? And yeah. I again always was sort of like bored by him when I was younger, but to me, he 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 embodies a kind of <clears throat> excuse me idealism that I don't have, but that um, that is maybe the best version of uh, of of something that I respect, right. you know. And mm-hmm. so um, there's a reason that he's like in every other issue of Miles Run. Yeah. <laughs> maybe not every other issue, but he's I, I I put a lot of cap in that. Run. Yeah, it's a lot I, of cap, man. I tried to foster that relationship a little bit because I think that uh, I think that they have interesting things to say to each other. So, so I have to ask you, uh, Tom Taylor, uh, Superman run so far. How do you feel about him making a uh, John Ken buy man? Like, it's been a lot of a lot of a lot of reactions from all sides. I, I think it's great. X thinks it's great. You know what I mean? But what's your take on the whole thing? I mean, I you know I haven't I haven't read the run. Um, Tom's a brilliant writer in general, so I'm, I'm sure he's handled it well. And in general, the uh, you know, I mean, if we're honest, comics is way behind on that stuff in general. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, I even even as a middle aged hetero cis dude, pretty you know, like I got, I got raised with a very you know boring straight binary kind of idea about a lot of this stuff that I, I had to unlearn a lot of that stuff and I even I could look at comics and be like you know we're behind we're behind man right. you know like 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 there should be more dudes kissing dudes it shouldn't be like it shouldn't be a headline when that happens in a right, comic right. Book, you know so <laughs> um you know I to me it's anybody who's freaking out over that has has it's it's they have a problem but it but they, their problem reflects a problem we have as a society still so yeah, definitely. Um, we could be doing better, you know. All right. All right. So if you can go back in time and actually and give your young self any advice when you first started writing, what would it be? <laughs> that's 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 intense. Um I think it would be um it would be some version of learn about the industry. <laughs> because right. I think a lot of young, and that's not necessarily meaning the comic book industry, but whatever your industry is, a lot of writers spend a lot of time very focused um, on the on a kind of romantic sense of what it means to be a writer and an artist. And I wish I'd known younger more about learning just how to make it happen um, as as a as a nuts and bolts thing, you know, mm-hmm. that it's a job that you have to kind of get into the same way you get into another job, not the same way, but you know, any job, you got to get the job. You got to know how the job works. You got to know how the customers are, all that stuff, you know? And, uh, 
you spend so much time thinking about writing romantically and, and strictly almost spiritually that uh, um, um, I think I would have told myself, hey, here's, here's what, you know, um, the comic book or the novel or the TV industry looks like as a industry. Um, yeah, some type of framework, I'm guessing, like some type of idea, like what's actually going on. Yeah, oh, yeah. Whole industry, yeah. That's great, man. Well, we're gonna get you out of out of here, man. But we appreciate you so so much for coming on, and, and thank you for everything you do, man. It's really appreciated over here. Thank you, guys. This was a, a wonderful interview. I appreciate it so much. Thank nope. you so much, man. Thank you so much. Um, this has been Black Variant Issue eighty two. Um, be back after the break. We got more things to talk about, like the Spider Man trailer. So yeah, don't go, go anywhere. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, go Take watch, care, guys. man. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yo. 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 I forgot to ask about this fucking suit. Damn it. Oh. Ah. Hopefully we'll get them back. Round two. We'll, 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 we'll get them back. We'll get back one day. We'll, we'll get, get back. back. We'll get them back. So I'm going to try to work this thing so we can screen share. And watch the trailer? Yeah, man. Let's do it live. Bruh, fucking the, the homegirl Fuck we'll texted me. Fucking we'll do it live. Fucking the homegirl texted me. was like, have you seen the trailer? I was like, no, I'm interviewing somebody. She was like, shit. Call me after. Um... Oh man, let's do it. Come on, let's do it. Hold Fuck. On, I'm gonna fire it up. Let me see. where's my goddamn what is this kind of technology? Hold on. Uh, where is my phone stand? I don't need my fucking say. phone stand. But oh shit. That was a great interview, man. He's he's a good guy, man. I really, I really enjoy him. Yo, if you're listening to this after you've already, you know, exited interview salading, fucking super cool guy, man. Um, he's so insightful and like just so generally caring about things, like. That was fucking dope. Like just from a personal standpoint, that was fucking cool, man. Um, shout out to you. Thank you so much. Woo! Crazy. All right. Let's see. Let's see. You got it. It's working. Can she go full screen? I think you can go full screen. Yeah. And you see? Yep. Black variant issue eighty two. We're about to do a live reaction. Hold on now. Hold on now. Hold on now. Settings, brother. I see double chance. Oh yeah, you know, you know who that is. <laughs> Not do t- do 1080, or is it too much? Yeah, my, I don't know. This shit's already sizzling. I don't All right, y'all theater mode it. You see, is it good? Yeah, I got it. All right, Let's see if it works. It's already it's moving, kind of chopping screw, but bear with me. Should we just pull it, bo- oh, pull it up on both of our phones and just hit play at the same time? You know what? Fuck it, we'll do that. <laughs> All right, hold on. All right, hold on. Let me, let me pull it let up. Me put my AirPod, my AirPod in. You feel me? Um, because it's about to get, it's about to get. I see some electro this. already. I'm, I'm already kind of, you know. All right, all right. So it better be on the fucking Twitter, otherwise we're gonna have issues, nigga. Go to YouTube. But does someone upload it in 4K? Because I'm a spoiled man. It's fine. Oh, yo, man. See how you abandon your roots. <laughs> We're going back to the bootleg era. Three minutes. Damn. Yeah, it's long as fuck. Okay. I am at four. Why is that 480p? On YouTube, bro. I'm telling you. 1080. No, I'm, I'm, I'm on YouTube. It says 480p. What the? Yeah, I mean, they just uploading it some places. Oh, yeah. You're right. You're right. All right. I'm All right. at four seconds. I'm at the title sequence Spider Man No Way Home official trailer. You ready? Hold on. Hold on. Title. All right, I'm here. I'm hitting play and now. Okay. 
Nikita in the rain. Very um crime. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Tough break, nigga. There's always FUBU. Exactly. Crying with Zendaya on your arms. You get no sympathy from me. All right, but going like into the tunnel with like a train coming with a shorty on your back. That doesn't wild. seem, yeah, that doesn't seem smart. Not the brightest Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> Strange fuck some shit up. I'm seeing pumpkin bombs. Okay. That's why you don't trust white men, people. Yep. See a hang glider. Electricity, I see arms. Okay, the CGI. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely in a beta, nigga. Uh, okay, Alfred Molina. Okay, you seen all this shit before? So he whooped his ass. Yeah, basically, yeah, basically, got his ass whooped. Okay, Doc Ock lame. Heard you. This shit was not fired. Magic suit's kind of hard, bro. I like the black gold joint. Yeah. Oh, Mary Jane, Doctor Strange interaction. That's cool. She gonna he gonna send her ass into Dormammu's hell, bro. Send you, I will send you to the multiverse, little girl. Jonah. Hey, Jameson. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm not wild so far, but it's early. Catch the pumpkin bomb was kind of cool though. Oh, so he deliberately fucked shit up. All right. Yeah, makes sense. Okay, Doc Ock's back. Okay, Electro, Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx looked like got looked like 2002 Spider-Man graphics, nigga. Exactly, he did. At least his hairline was fresh. God bless him. Okay, there we go, Goblin. Sandman, God, I mean, Electro, okay. I have a feeling this is not even like the first hour and a half of the movie. Or like this it, is only the first hour and a half of the movie. I'm not going to lie to you. The scene with the scaffolding, that was in <laughs> hashtag them leaks. <laughs> oh, shit. This, scaf- this whole scaffolding set is the leaks. Yup. New shit, new shit, new shit. They're starting to come through. Is that the fucking? So then to knock at a show. That shit wack, lame as hell. Lame as hell. Boy, no way, boy. Boy, boy no, no way. way. They jugged. I'm, yo, if I'm sitting in that theater, I'm hot. That that was. <laughs> Could have threw that out right after the first one, G. Like, that low key could have been the first one. I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it on so real with you. Um, is this the final trailer before the movie drops? I think so. Talking about why is Drake and Kanye kicking it with each other? Sidebar. What, what? the fuck is going on? Wait, hold up. What? That's more important to me. That shit. The biggest is on his Instagram. This nigga Drake. What the, the fuck? fuck? That's the new Spider Man trailer. <laughs> Listen, man, I don't like, you know what I'm saying? I'm glad people, you know, less people are dying. But, like, I don't like this, you know, God, oh, with in Drake with Dave Chappelle. Oh, even that. What is fucking All right, all right man. All right, man. Listen, this we is the real multiverse. We already, we already know Drake was a, you know, say a weird boy. But um, whatever. Um, Let's talk about the Spider-Man trailer. Um, Mid? Yeah, disappointing, to say the least. Um, Just show us one of these niggas, man. 
they're you know, listen, they're so cognizant of what people are thinking of this movie already. So, like, why not show us Toby and Andrew? Like, mind you, I'm one of the people who are like, just wait till the theater. But like at this point, my nigga, casual people need to know that they're just more than just like the, all the villains in this movie. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. the villains are not the important part. That's facts. Focusing on the spider niggas. They should have showed them niggas. I mean, they showed they didn't show William Defoe's face. It kind of blew me. Yeah, that shit was awesome. Like, even like the the the, the most smallest, like they showed Jamie Foxx, but like nigga, don't like care about Electro. Like, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <sighs> that shit was disappointing. Yeah. They could have definitely put that out right after. I'm not, I'm not moved. They could have put that shit after. They could have put that shit first. I'm gonna keep 100 percent real with you. I really don't like them like clowning Dr. Octopus either. Like he's, he's the only Hey man. So much fun, track 15? Hey, hey, yo. <laughs> track 15, so much fun. I'm like, he's the one getting the most lines. You kind of the, the, the leader or the co-leader or whatever the fuck however the Sinister Six is getting broken down to responsibilities and shit. Um, that shit was whack, bro. That shit was whack, man. Yeah, I'm kind of disappointed. That was, that was kind of underwhelming. Yeah, I thought it was going to be more epic, but still, I mean, it's still a decent trailer, but just like, it's not what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, um, CGI is not looking good either. I will say that um, Jamie Foxx literally looked like one of the people in The Flash tonight. Um, <laughs> I'm not even being funny or mean. He dead ass looked like Flash CGI from season three. I think it was looking like uh, GTA 3, nigga. That's you remember the Matrix movie. video game? That's what Jamie Foxx looked like. G. <laughs> when he was moving slow motion, I ain't gonna lie, man. G, like, come on, dog. Y'all, y'all got. Goddamn, I don't know, $30 billion and counting. Y'all couldn't get a good CGI but movie? Come on. Like, we couldn't get CGI for the most important Spider-Man movie ever? Come on, man. Come on, man. Yeah. It's ridiculous at this point. Utterly ridiculous. <laughs> Hope you see what's going on out here, because it's really ridiculous. <laughs> you can fool them. <laughs> you can fool the niggas that are not paying attention. But, uh, yeah, um, them hashtag them leaks were right. Um... 100%. Marvel, you bastards. You bastards. You lied to us again. Yeah, Once man. again. But this has I'm been an- again. <laughs> this has been another another issue of the Black Variant, man. Great interview. Live trailer reactions. Yeah, man. Doesn't get any oh, better. Doesn't get um it really it really doesn't. Um, if you want to hear the interview and more of exclusive Black Variant content, go ahead and subscribe to the Black Variant Patreon at patreon.com backslash the black variant rnc on um, great subscribe to our podcast channel and feeds um i think that's all the plugs i got for this week that's not true jamal had meals in the fucking torture rack this week oh yeah uh, <laughs> boys are down bad um what else we got um of course rsp and jeff is off this week but for very special reasons um i want everyone to acknowledge your tribal chief this upcoming sunday um especially when a certain i don't know movie star shows up again and everybody starts being flaky again um look out triple bean streams war report rerouts from recut gems everything and more on rnc network rnc watch elite media group you know what it is you know what i'm saying um man what we got for the people before we got here want to get on the sub box real quick hey man Soapbox is gonna be <laughs> hey temper them uh expectations for this spider-man movie niggas. <laughs> i think it's gonna be special but hey man go in there just to have a good time man both teams played hard my man both both teams played hard. Hey, just enjoy your popcorn. Maybe sneak some tacos in that motherfucker. Yeah, you might actually get a whole pizza pie if you can. Fuck um, But yeah, man, that's all we got. Um, don't trust white men with time, space, or any continuums. 
Um, shout out to Saladin Ahmed. We are out. We will see y'all next week. Bye. Peace.